You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. afternoon and it's a well it's a wait five minutes and we'll have the weather you want day in the pacific northwest here um and uh i want to welcome you to the bose nose show i'm your host jay bozovich west lane county commissioner here in lane county oregon and we come to you live from beautiful downtown elmira oregon every wednesday here at four o'clock except last week because I had a board meeting that conflicted and then I got a cold, so we didn't do a show last week. Plus, we've been having a horrible time with all of our software and uh, trying to get things to work out. Hopefully, we're going through on Facebook Live right now without a major echo uh, like we had a couple weeks ago. This is what happens when Microsoft pushes out automatic updates and then they conflict with other software they own, like Skype. So um, it really uh, threw a, a monkey wrench in our system a couple weeks back as they pushed out one of their Windows 10 updates, I think, and just, uh, yeah, automatic updates are not IT people's friends. And we're going to be talking some IT here today on, on the Bose Nose Show. And by the way, we are live on Facebook now. Yeah, I, I, I got the little buzz on my watch saying we had, but I didn't know if we were actually really there. So hopefully we're there on Facebook Live without a big echo and all that good stuff. We're finally working out all the hitches in the uh, update software. But we got all sorts of stuff to talk about today on the Bose Nose Show. I don't know if we'll get to everything. Uh, plus, we'll also take your calls because we'll take the show in whatever direction a caller wants. You know, what I want to talk about is not as important to me as what you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. 646-721-9887. Just press 1 if you want to talk to me here on the Bose Nose Show. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. Um, I've got a couple things to talk about. Just want to mention one quick story that that happened in the last week or so that that um, you know kind of was a small story, but I'm actually really glad to see this story. Some people are kind of mad because they feel like they're picking on people, but I was happy to see the Springfield police arrest somebody for fraud for you know buying a bunch of water bottles using publicly funded you know, assistance, i.e. an Oregon Trail card, walking out of the store, dumping the water bottles out, and then going back and cashing, you know, getting the um, deposit that was actually paid for with the Oregon Trail card so they could have the cash to use for stuff that you can't buy with an Oregon Trail card. And um, Springfield Police 
arrested a couple doing in the act of doing that um, for a fraud. And I am kind of glad to see somebody start cracking down on stuff like that. Um, you know, for a couple reasons. One, it's just it is stealing, you know, money that was meant to help people. Two, the reason people do stuff like that is they're usually in the throes of some kind of addiction. And they're they're feeding an addiction and and with that cash in one way or another. Um, and one of the problems in this um, whole state is you know addiction and the mental health you know issues that drive addiction or that, that addiction can create um, are the biggest drivers of our homeless problem. And Part of our problem is, is we don't intervene quickly enough with folks that are having addiction problems, partly because in the early stages of addiction, addicted people rarely will agree to seek help or go into help voluntarily. They, they need some kind of you know, event to, to either get them to accept help or force them to take the help with their addiction. And an arrest for fraud, because you're stealing, you know, buying water, bottled water and emptying the bottles out to get the, the deposits on the bottle, you know, that dime. Um, it's kind of a cry for help, you know, even though you won't go get help yourself. So, you know, sometimes it takes that um, criminal arrest to force somebody to, to accept as a diversion getting into some kind of addiction treatment and, and or mental health um, treatment. So kudos, you know, to the Springfield Police Department for finally, you know, and I've seen it happen personally myself, you know, back when um, Terry Mart and the folks um, that, that used to run it, sold the returnable bottle, milk and returnable bottles where they had a 40 cent deposit on the bottles. I saw people pouring those bottles out into a storm drain to go return them at the Dairy Mart that they purchased with an Oregon Trail card. So I, I really appreciate Springfield Police on this one, which gets me around to this whole homeless thing. You know, I kind of mentioned it in my promo. We, as a board, on a 4-1 vote with me being the dissenting vote, um, declared that there's a homeless emergency happening here in Lane County. And like I said in my promo and in other news, water is wet. Uh, it's like, yeah, we have a problem with homelessness in this county. But going through the process of doing an emergency declaration that doesn't change any laws, doesn't bring in any new resources or doesn't create any actions or, or any other changes in our response to homelessness and probably costs somewhere between $800 and $2,000 for our staff to process and take the time to put in front of the board really doesn't do anything about homelessness. That arrest of, those, of that couple pouring out those water bottles will do more secure homelessness than us passing a resolution. You know, because at least those two people were probably going to have to look at uh, thinking about getting help for why they were doing what they were doing. 
The board resolution isn't going to do that. So at least two people are getting helped by the Springfield police taking that action. And maybe many more, because many more might start thinking, oh, if I do that, I might get arrested too. So, um, you know, it just, it, it amazes me that we do things like that. And I'm hoping that my vote will send a message to the board that every time they bring one of these declarations, resolutions in front of us that doesn't really have meaning or take action or change something, they're going to hear me vote no, and I'm going to explain my no vote every time publicly. And uh, that no vote explanation made it into both the, you know, KLCC and Eugene Weekly articles on the vote. And I, and I'm pretty sure that some of the board members are a little embarrassed to have the, you know, the public understand that that declaration of a homeless emergency did nothing. It didn't allocate funds, it didn't change law, it didn't create any action, it did nothing to cure homelessness. It didn't make us feel good, you know, I guess we were good virtue signalers, you know, woohoo, yay for us, we declared a homeless emergency, and water is wet. <laughs> so, kind of tying two stories together that are pretty far apart, but, you know, we've got lots to talk about on the Bozno Show. I want to remind folks of the number before I get into this next topic because we're going to probably take a fairly deep dive into this. So before we get distracted, if you have something else you want to talk about with me on the Bozno Show or if you want to react to whether or not I should have voted yes on the homeless emergency or whether or not it's a good idea that we arrest people for fraud, for buying stuff with an Oregon Trail card, dumping it out and returning it to get the cash value of the deposits, um, you know, give me a call here, 646-721-9887 to talk to your host, Jay Bozovich, here on the Bose Nose Show. Just press one so Robin, my call screener, producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. And this next topic is one that Robin brought to my attention because in Robin's other life, uh, you know, because, you know, she doesn't just produce the Bose Nose Show, although, you know, it, it's really a monumental task with Microsoft pushing out just, you know, updates that cause conflicts. But uh, Robin's also, you know, kind of an IT person uh, and knows a little bit more about IT than I do. That's for darn sure. That's why she produces the show and Jay doesn't. Um, brought, brought to my attention this article, and it's about a records breach that I hadn't seen anything about in um, the news, and I was kind of surprised because it's a little bit bigger than some of the ones, you know, we hear, you know, you know the ones that, you know, you obviously think about, um, you know, whether, you know, a state's website gets breached or that gets breached. This one exposed 763 million records. And, you know, I think one of the reasons we haven't heard about it much is that some company called verifications.io um, that's based in Estonia. And apparently it's a company that verifies email accounts or something for third parties. Um, and, you know, that's kind of one of those things, you know, you think about how did, how did that company get my email to send me that promotion, you know, that came in my and ended up in my junk folder or, or got past my junk filter and stuff like that. 
uh, it's because they're, they're companies like this one that collect data and somehow or another verify the email addresses and they start building um, portfolios of data around people. And uh, they, they'll collect anything they can off of various places and then they sell it to marketing firms, you know, who buy it for their clients to send all those promos that fill up your junk folder on your email. Um, but, you know, it contains a lot of stuff that could be used in, um, you know, identity theft, birth dates, uh, you know, home addresses sometimes, you know, just all sorts of information that's attached to your name and your email. Um, and I want to bring uh, Robin in, maybe just talk a little bit about how that, that information could get used, maybe how this breach happened a little bit, and, and, you know, maybe what people can be doing, you know, online to protect themselves a bit more against these kinds of data breaches, against these companies from collecting data on them and selling it, um, and just, you know, a little bit about, a little bit more privacy and all, but, you know, Pretty scary stuff. In fact, didn't you get one of those um, sort of threatening emails about that kind of came from this data breach, possibly? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, uh, uh, the latest one, which was actually sent to talk at krbnradio.net, which, by the way, you can send your emails to, <laughs> um, now is saying that uh, we have to come up with $2,000 in Bitcoin because they saw us masturbating through our webcam, which we, my computer is blind. And among other things, it's kind of, anyway, I won't get into details. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I obviously have a webcam because I'm on Facebook Live, but um, yeah, that'd be a good trick. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good trick, plus uh, other physics. <laughs> um, yeah. Thing, anyways, that <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like Jay was saying, what what you can do to protect yourself is, of course, use strong passwords, change them often, get a good uh, antivirus system. In fact, if you want to double check if your antivirus is working, there's a test site called icar.org, e-i-c-a-r.org, which it has some test viruses that you can download. They're totally harmless, but if your antivirus software is working the way it's supposed to, it should come up and block it and give you a warning message. If it goes through, like if you're relying on Windows Defender only, it's it's better than nothing, but it's not the best protection. Yeah. What was that site again? ICAR? ICAR, E-I-C-A-R dot O-R-G. And another website, which is kind of related to our topic here that I have up on the screen, up on your up over your shoulder, which you probably can't see because you're not monitoring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called HaveIBeenPond.com. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, right there. Okay. No. <laughs> Anyways, um, if you go to that site, and again, Jay can't see it, but I'll bring it up on on the screen so everybody else can. You have this part up here where you can enter your email address. I'm going to go ahead and enter our our. KRBN one, which is talk at krbnadio.net. And go have I been pawned? And it says, 
Good news, you have not. But um, I have entered other addresses where it says, yes, you have. It doesn't tell you where. I think you have to actually sign up for the site. But what it does is that it checks the database and just see if, if your e email and passwords are publicly, publicly out there. So it's a good one to check. Um, it's called haveibeenpwned.com. Great. And just also, of course, when you sign up on uh, on any account, um, be careful what information you put out there and you volunteer. You know, we can get into phishing and um, um, addresses and, and other things. And I mean, we we could spend two hours just talking about network security. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we could. Um, but you know, it's kind of just it's one of those things. Um, there's a lot of common sense to maintaining your own data security, but it's really um, important just to think about now and then. Uh, you know, everybody likes to um, think of, you know, I, and I've talked about it on the show a lot about taking personal responsibility for disaster preparation. You're much more likely to be a victim of identity theft and, and a data breach um, than you are to be involved in a natural disaster. <laughs> so being a little bit more diligent about our um, behaviors online is kind of important. Um, Absolutely. And one thing that's very important, and uh, people can fake a website in an email. And so if you get an email, let's say your, uh, your bank has problems with your password and they want you to reset it, and click on this link to do it. Do not do that. Go directly to the source. Go directly to your bank, log in under your account, and check it there or call the bank. Because um, that's one easy way that uh, fraudsters can get your information and get into it. And they're pretty clever about that. Yes, yes. And there is no Nigerian princes. What? And, 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 you know, folks from foreign countries are not going to give you part of the money if you help them transfer it, you know, particularly if you have to provide them your bank accounts first yeah. or send them any money. And you have not won the publisher's clearinghouse. Well. Or some other sweepstakes, you know. Yeah. And Social Security does not call you. No. No, they don't. And neither does, the, neither does the IRS. Yeah. And I get daily calls from people saying I've won a overnight stay at the Marriott Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Which I which I harass them right back and get them upset. But one other quick tip um that you can do if you do get one of those emails though, um, one is that on the link they send you is put your mouse over it and usually down at the bottom it says where the link is actually going. The second one is go ahead and, depending on your browsers, look at the full header and see uh, see where the email actually came from. Because a lot of times it may not, you know, the from may not actually be where it came from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always, I get emails sometimes. It's from somebody at work. And then you look at the email address and it's an external email address. It's like, that's not from somebody at Lane County, you know. Yeah got some hotmail or yahoo or some some address that's got you know you know uh, uh you know 
a couple letters behind it, like coming from a foreign country. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not replying back to that one or clicking on the link that came from there. Yeah. Yeah. The internet is a dangerous place. It is. If in doubt, don't click. Call somebody. Yeah. Call friends. Yeah. Yeah. Or better yet, call the source. Use the lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use your lifeline. Call a friend. <laughs> Good advice. Yes. Yeah, but you know, it kind of it does surprise me though. You know, you hear about the uh, Equifax, or you hear about you know whatever bank or whatever that that has a data breach. Why didn't this one make the national news? I mean, that's a huge data breach. Yeah, and like the article that uh, where we got this off of um, was asking the same question as one, where did they get this information? And secondly, how did they lose it? Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's probably similar to some of these data gathering firms. I mean, uh, data analytics or whatever those folks were that, that ran the Brexit um, uh, campaign. Uh, and then, then we're also connected with um, Barack Obama and Donald Trump uh, campaigns in some ways. Um, they, you know, use Facebook to gather data on yeah. people. I, I just put up on the screen where I got the information from. It's from idtheftcenter.org. Great. So if anybody want anybody wants to read that, you can go to that site. There's uh, lots of good information there. Is it right there? Uh, it's, on, it's on the other side. This side, okay. That side. There you go. There we go. It's floating right over you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the miracles of the internet. So um, yeah, you know, it's just it's really uh, one of those things where you just have to be careful out there about what you put out. And, and you know. What was interesting on the Brexit campaign, they gathered a lot of their information by doing a, a quick poll where people won a prize, and it, and it was a con. It was sort of this contest to predict um, the winner of the British um, soccer league or something. I forget what what exactly what they used as a leader. So people went on and voluntarily gave up information about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was pretty amazing the, the the database that guy built and kind of figured out that there was a bunch of voters out there that weren't voting in in, in British elections that were this this silent you know majority out there sort of that were disaffected with the whole idea of being connected with the European Union and kind of very isolationist and he tapped into that um, disaffection and. And they went after those people to actually vote rather than just sitting out the election like they had done for years. And that's how they won the Brexit election. You know, and it all started with mining data from Facebook. The same data this company mined that had the data breach in Estonia. So, um, you know, be very careful about playing, you know, the hitting the Facebook game link, you know, to see what personality you are. 
because usually you're agreeing to letting them take all the data off of your your um, page and use it. Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you read the EULA agreement, the users, um, which you're agreeing to, like like playing, um, I don't know, that farm game on Facebook, there's a whole thing where you're agreeing to share the information, your information, what you're doing, and but most people don't read that. They just uh, they just click it and uh, one, yeah. And I'm one of those people that reads the silly things because I don't have a life. because <laughs> eh, you're in IT and you know better. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> I'll go with that one. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's you know my public service announcement for the week. You know, Robin brought this thing to my attention, and it's it's you know the other thing is you got to talk to your kids. You know, because the, the, the and seniors, because I, I have a friend whose grandfather is is out about seventy thousand dollars to fraudsters right now. You know, one of them was the publisher's clearinghouse thing. You know, where the, you know he believed you know they talked him in the fact that he had won, but he needed to send them money first in the form of a cashier's check. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or go down to Walgreens and get one of those gift cards and send them the number. Yeah, yeah, same, same kind of stuff, you know. And it's amazing how vulnerable those two ends of our population are. And so if, if you're, you know, you've got aging parents, you need to talk to them and understand their their internet usage if they have it at all. Even if they're not using the internet, in the case of uh, this guy's grandfather, it was telephone fraud. You know, people dialing up and convincing them of stuff. Um, so you got to kind of keep an eye on those folks. Um, and with the kids, it's just a matter of they get on and they have, you know, they, they want to play the game. They want to find out if which character in uh, Game of Thrones they match up to, you know. If, you know, there's, a, there's things that go around Facebook, you know, what what's your, you know, which superhero are you, you know. Exactly. Well, here's a good example, too, if you want to check security. When you go, say, say you're looking up something on Amazon and uh, um, you know, looking up products like, a, I don't know, a new drill or, in my case, a really super-duper gaming computer. And then next day, you see uh, Facebook ads that have that super-duper gaming computer. Yep. And it's like uh, it's because the cookies and other information that's shared is uh, how they know what you're doing. It's kind of spooky, though, sometimes when you talk about something with somebody and then you start getting ads about it. <laughs> yeah. And they and they try and tell you at Apple that they really don't listen. Yeah. Oh, they listen. In fact, uh, if you have an Android phone using Chrome uh, Google Assistant, um, at least Google lets you go to a site where you can hear what you the request you made and as it's listening for keywords, um, but that's only a tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And then you have like the uh, was it the Echo and um, what's Amazon's? No, well, Amazon's the Echo, but um, those type of services they're constantly listening. Yep. Yeah. And if you start talking with your wife about going on vacation to uh, you know the Bahamas or or you know. Grand Cayman or something like that. Next thing you know, you get online and you're getting ads for cruises to the Bahamas and Grand Cayman. Oh yeah, never ever go on Facebook 
and say that you're going on vacation, you're going to be gone for a week. You might as well just leave the keys on the front door. It's safer on the windows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That can be a problem. Yeah. And so this was a public service announcement from KRBN Internet News Talk Radio, and you can picture the rainbow going across the screen. Yes, yes, you can. The more you know. Yep. And now back to, to Jay Bozovich in progress. Folks that are watching my Facebook page when they see me posting on vacation, if somebody decides to break in my house, they're going to have a surprise because I usually don't leave my house empty. <laughs> There's usually like four large dogs here in a house. This is not a challenge. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. And my house that are, knows where I keep my pistol and she hunts deer and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, you don't want to break into my house when, when I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, isn't your yard, your yard booby trapped too? I think it might be. Okay. Uh, no, actually it's not. Cause that's not legal. Um, <laughs> and we don't want headlines for that. Yeah. Yep. Just kidding folks. Not one of the four large dogs. <laughs> this is my father-in-law's dog that we kind of inherited. Oh, isn't she? Look like a rat? No. <laughs> Can you raise raise them up just a little higher? Because you're right above right below the title line. There you go. There we go. There's Katrina. So cute. On oh, kisses. Yes, kisses. Yes, Katrina's a good little girl. She was keeping my father-in-law company for last ten years, but he's he's in a home where he can't have her anymore. So we we got her kind of you know that happens. You know, sometimes parents get kids pets when they go to college and stuff like that or, you know, whatever. They can't keep them. Sometimes you get your parents' pets back after a while. So, yeah, this is Katrina. She's not one of the four large dogs I was talking about. <laughs> it's actually dog number five. <laughs> uh, hey, I got a what the heck are they thinking? Okay. I'll do that real quick here. Sure. Um, and that, what the heck are they thinking, is that we technically live in the um, city of Atlantis, and we've had enough rain, of course, to, uh, well, to wash wages but anything and water my weeds really well. So what the heck are they thinking, and this has been going on for years, is when they design the roads, especially Beltline 105 and everything – you would think one of these days they'd set it up to, so, I don't know, the water drains off the road instead of pedaling in the uh, number two lane? Yeah. In fact, there was a, a rollover on the way to work going over the overpass and two things. One, the car was really light, so and it was raining heavily, so it hydroplaned. And two, the guy probably didn't know how to drive when the car gets sliding out of out of control. Yeah. But that's not the point. It's just that there was a lot of... Uh, small lakes on the freeway today going to work. Yeah, but it also is kind of the, if you're driving a small light car, maybe you should slow down a little bit so you don't hydroplane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that would be too easy. Yeah, so what were they thinking? I, I'll kind of agree with that one. So I've got sort of a, you know, before I get into some, some other more heavy topics, a little bit of a lighter topic, um, you know, because we've had our discussions about public 
publicly funded art here on the Bose Nose Show. You know, Robin and I are really big fans of the uh, waste basket up on a tripod there at <laughs> um, and some of the other fine public art that we paid for as part of our, our road projects around here. But um, this one's not quite, it, it's publicly, you know, art in a public place, um, kind of done by the uh, public art um, committee down in Florence, but it's on the uh, central Lincoln PUD building. So it's not really, you know, uh, city of Florence's um, facility, but there is a, a mural that they put up down there. And it got to be really controversial in Florence because when the first pictures of what the mural was going to look like came out on the internet, people were like, oh, that's ugly. And some people were like, oh, it's great. You know, and, it's, and then everybody starts arguing and, you know, then the whole argument about whether or not we should be doing public art and everything. But they, you know, finally got it up and opened it, opened it, you know, had the, you know, uh, um, the grand unveiling, et cetera. And it's actually not a bad piece of artwork, you know, right as you come into Florence on 126 um, from, from Eugene, it's, it's visible uh, there just past the city line on the central Lincoln PUD building. Um, but one of the things it has on it, it's got the bridge, you know, uh, uh, the bridge that goes across the Saiyuslaw River, a depiction of that, and there's a deer standing on the bridge, but the deer is purple. And it, you know, so kind of one of the funny things that happened was right before they were going to have the um, dedication ceremony for this piece, of, this new mural, people had these cutouts of the purple deer in the same shape. And they were putting them up, they were on, you know, little sticks, and they were putting them up in places around town and taking photographs and posting them on Facebook. You know, can you find the purple deer? <laughs> and it kind of got to be pretty darn funny, you know, that they're were, they were sort of making fun of this whole hubbub over this, this, this mural. But what it made it so funny that it actually got everybody to kind of like the mural because it's got the purple deer in it. And, you know, can people find the purple deer? And the fact that this purple deer kept moving around town to various spots that you kind of would recognize in the Facebook photos. And I don't know who came up with that idea down there in Florence, but they're genius. Um, but more recently now, um, they've got a fundraising campaign going where you can get a T-shirt that has, you know, the purple deer on it and, and Florence, Oregon below it, actually not a t-shirt, it's a little sweatshirt hoodie because of course it is Florence and um, it's supporting Habitat of Humanity. So um, if you, it's, it's uh, Custom Inc. is the company that's doing the fundraising and I think they've got, if you go to their website, custominc.com and click on their fundraising link, then you can, um, search for follow the purple deer and it'll get you to that site where you can buy it buy one of these sweatshirts for 25 bucks and it goes to support habitat for humanity and you can addition you can donate in addition to that or you can just make a straight contribution to habitat for humanity with uh, florence chapter that is so it just it cracks me up you know robin as much as we you know sometimes make fun of public art and all that stuff um this purple deer thing 
you know, because the purple deer is not when when you look at the whole thing, it's a very busy mural, um, and you wouldn't unless you were looking for the purple deer, you wouldn't see it. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it's just it's really kind of a, a funny, you know, a funny tongue-in-cheek promotion about this purple deer in Florence, and it's a great cause with Habitat for Humanity. You know, having people that need housing, uh, invest their sweat equity into the housing they're going to live in ultimately, truly makes them responsible homeowners and gets people into houses too. And it's just, you know, also people learn some skills in building the houses. There's a lot of volunteer labor involved. Just a great program in general habitat. Uh, one of the one of the best things Jimmy Carter ever did, is, as I, I like to explain, he was one of our best ex-presidents <laughs> we've had. Um, definitely was not one of our best presidents. Uh, as, as people that are old enough to remember the, uh, the malaise that America was in during his presidency. With both. Jimmy Carter, didn't he work for Peanuts? Oh. Uh, <laughs> but Habitat you know, which was a, a uh, charity that he created and got going has turned into a, a, you know, great charity and a great cause overall. And if you go to that custominc.com and their fundraising and search for follow the purple deer, and you can find that, that sweatshirt there for 25 bucks and you can support habitat and be in on that joke about the purple deer in Florence. <laughs> So just a little, something a little on the lighter side on the Bo's Nose show. You know, usually we're, we're kind of pretty hard on public art, but this is one time where I actually think a controversial public art is actually now bringing the community together in a little piece of humor. And now they're taking that humor to support a good cause. It's like, how can you not like that story? <laughs> you know, going from this thing that had literally was having almost a knockdown drag out fight in the Florence city council over this mural um, to, you know, to this thing where now people are just making fun of follow, you know, find the purple deer. <laughs> and now they're selling t-shirts to support habitat for humanity, Florence chapter. Um, it's just hilarious to me. So I love it when people can, you know, take politics, turn it into good satire and have some fun and no one gets triggered. My yeah, God. That's amazing in itself. Yeah. 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 I was listening to another uh, talk show on the radio the other day and, and talking about the death of, of, of humor and, and um, comedians <laughs> that you can't say anything without offending somebody in the, Political correctness is killing humor. Um, so hopefully I didn't offend anybody with purple deer. If so, uh, you know, talk at krbnradio.net. <laughs> Send your complaints there. So, you know, we talked a little bit about fraud and, and buying, you know, drinks that have deposits with your Oregon Trail card and pouring them out and 
getting the deposit back. And we talked about homeless emergency declarations being meaningless. Talked some data security. And we talked a little bit about purple deer. But now I want to sort of talk about, you know, something that's been getting under my skin for a while, but, you know, is has been magnified. And I'm going to kind of keep this a very general conversation because I don't want to bring the actual agency involved or the programs involved into the conversation yet because um, we're still trying to troubleshoot this problem. But there has been a long-term trend in how we fund government and the uh, nonprofits that do a lot of government services, uh, particularly, you know, what, you know, you would think is services to, um, you know, people in poverty and need and other issues. <clears throat> and that was, we used to fund programs and they were in budgets and allocated annually. And you could kind of depend on a certain amount being budgeted every year or not jumping up or down a whole lot. Now we have to apply for grant funding. They fund grants, they don't fund programs. So a lot of these programs now have to apply for grants, meet all the grant requirements, you know, administer the grant, make all the reporting on the grant and whatever else. So it adds a huge headache to the agency receiving the grant. And the grants usually come with a whole bunch of strings and regulations. So there's a federal grant that funds a particular program in Lane County that a rural nonprofit helps run here in Lane County. Now, rural nonprofits tend to be pretty broad in the services they provide because if you're out in Cottage Grove, Junction City, um, Florence, Oak Ridge, if you only did one service, you would have such a small client base and you, that you you couldn't maintain you, you know the administrative um, apparatus to maintain all these you know to to receive a federal grant or a state grant you know so so a lot of these rural agencies do multiple things so that they are able to receive funding from multiple sides and then that way the little pieces of that those grants that go to administrative costs can actually fund that full-time bookkeeper slash grant administrator, whatever that does has to, to, you know, take the money in, you know, keep receipts, get receipts back to the granting people, do all the reports and all that stuff can happen. So um, that's kind of a, the, the mode that some of these smaller nonprofits out in rural communities operate under. Unlike when you get into larger metro areas, you'll see an agency that specializes in one service type and it only receives grants from you know, one federal agency, not multiple. Well, a certain federal agency recently had their uh, funding um, act. You know, they usually, there's usually some act of Congress that creates the grant uh, funding stream and they, they tend to sunset, so they have to get renewed every every few uh, sessions of Congress, if not every session. Well, in the renewal um, legislation, they changed some language in it that basically says, if you're receiving money to do this service, your agency can only do that particular service. 
So you want to talk about immediately creating a problem for rural nonprofit providers. And when you start talking about urban-rural divide and why sometimes, you know, people in metro areas don't get it so much, this is just one piece of the puzzle. You know, the federal government starts making things so complicated, and then they start saying, you know what, if you're going to get money for this service, we don't want you providing any of those other services um, because we want your clients can only be for this service. They can't, you know, and, and what's silly, though, is a lot of times providing this, this broad spectrum of services that these nonprofits do is actually pretty synergistic. Usually people will come in for one thing and actually need almost everything that agency does, you know, or, you know, the fact that those people that work in that agency are, are administering, you know, multiple um, programs, they're knowledgeable enough to, to spot that somebody that's coming in, you know, maybe for help with their utility bill actually has a problem, you know, uh, you know, with a drug addiction or actually has a problem uh, of domestic violence or something like that. And, and because they also provide that service can connect them up with, with information and services there. Um, but this change in this reauthorization in this federal grant program is basically saying, you know what? You, that synergy can't happen because we want you only to do this one thing. And of course, the agency can't survive doing that only one thing out there in a rural area. So that, you know, this change is basically going to be the death knell of some of these small rural nonprofits that do multiple things out in these rural communities. And then they wonder why people talk about the urban-rural divide and the us versus them and how you get, you know, movements like timber unity going. You know, it's because the bureaucrats in the big cities like Washington, D.C., don't think about the unintended consequences of some of the rules they write or how services might actually go come out to a town of less than 10,000 that's located an hour away from, you know, the biggest town to them, which is a town of 170,000, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's, it boggles my mind sometimes. And I'm hoping that maybe, you know, I'm, you know, being in contact with some of our federal delegation. Um, and I'm hoping that maybe some of the, you know, the rulemaking can get set aside and maybe fixed um, in Congress somehow or another, and we can you know, avoid this problem. But they basically, a week ago, told this agency they got till October 1st to fix the problem, or they were going to have to give back money they'd already received and spent. Because you know, a lot of these grants also have a clawback clause in it, where if you violate the grant, you got to give the money back. So, you know, you want to talk about putting rural services at risk. You know, it just boggles my mind. So I'm, I don't want to get that particular agency in trouble, so I'm not going to name them. I'm not going to talk about what kind of program it is because it could identify, possibly identify the agency. But just, you know, the whole idea that we're going to 
fund everything through grant programs, you know, which is pretty unstable. You can imagine trying to hire staff, you know, while you're balancing all these um, one, two, three, five-year grant funding streams, and you don't know if they're going to be re-upped, and you're asking somebody to move from, you know, 100 miles away to take a job with your agency, you know, <clears throat> and we wonder why it's hard, you know, for some of these nonprofits to provide some of our services to keep staff up so we can provide the services we want to provide. Uh, grant funding, you know, is part of the problem. I mean, in some ways, it's a good thing. It does have a little bit more accountability sometimes in the old way of funding, but sometimes it gets, they go overboard. I mean, it just, you know, it amazes me sometimes how some federal bureaucrat can't be thinking about, oh, if I require them to only do this one thing and they're not, you know, in some mega city like LA where they still have, if they, you know, thousands of clients because they're only doing one service, but they're, because they're in a mega city, they have that many clients and that much, in, you know, cash flow going through that they can administer the grant. You know, you do that to a town of, you know, eight, 9,000, and it doesn't quite work well, you know. <clears throat> Urban rural divide. Huh. Which gets me to, you know, we're, we're going to have this, you know, climate day Friday, um, which, you know, is another issue that people don't quite understand the urban-rural divide. People don't understand that the uh, cap and, and spend bill that the, was trying to get through the legislature last time would significantly impact rural communities much worse than urban communities. Still not quite sure whether, you know, how we're going to feed some of those urban communities if they pound the uh, rural communities to death. Um, but, you know, because that's where their food comes from. But, um, you know, things that are going to take gasoline, you know, prices up significantly and, and, and diesel prices up significantly. Um, and you live in, you know, rural Oregon where you have to drive, you know, 50 miles to get to the gas station in the first place and another 50 to get to a grocery store. Um, that has a lot of impact, but you're out there filling your your harvesters with diesel fuel to harvest the wheat that feeds the world. You know, if you're out there in Sherman County, you know, um, people don't get that 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 climate cap and trade might just have an impact on that wheat farmer. And meanwhile, the, the wind turbines that they put on his farm that were going to be his saving grace um, and prevent him from going broke or killing a species of bat off here in Oregon, recent report. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how that, that conflict gets resolved. <laughs> but um, be interesting to see how Friday goes with uh, school kids leaving campus and the fact that schools are saying they're not responsible for the kids once they leave campus, although they also have under Oregon law that they're responsible for notifying a parent when a kid's absent. So I want to, if the kids leave in mass, are the schools capable of notifying all those parents and are they in the schools keeping track? 
Um, so Friday will be an interesting day. But well, aren't, aren't all the schools kind of uh, like a prison now where you have to go through a gate to get out? They are, but it's surprising. They're, they're basically notifying parents with notes to home that, you know, they know that this protest is coming and they're going to allow the kids to leave campus. But if the kids leave campus, they're not responsible for them. You know? Wow. It's like, I don't, I don't quite think that's necessarily true. Um, I, I think what they should do is that before they allow allow kids to uh, leave the property, they have to answer a password. And the question would, for the password would be, where does meat come from? And if you answer McDonald's, you go back to class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I thought it was, you know, um, how much does this, you know, how fast does a sparrow fly? <laughs> What was Which the question? Your beginner. <laughs> what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen sparrow? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I couldn't remember it. And yeah. was that was that a, was that a European sparrow or a? Yeah. I don't know. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love Monty Python. Oh uh, yes, we digress. Here on the Bo's Nose Show, if you want us to talk about something other than Monty Python and the weight of an unladen sparrow, um, 646-721-9887 is our dial-in number. Just press one. Let's Robin know you want to get on the show. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the Bo's Nose Show. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just dial one. Get you in on the Bo's Nose Show. Yeah, I, I, I think a better question maybe for those folks that are walking out the protest is how do you measure the temperature of the earth of the what how do you measure the temperature of the earth of the earth i, I i'm asking that question do you do you know robin <clears throat> well that's kind of a broad tent question well they say it's going up and there oh. you tell you how many Celsius a year or over the next hundred years, according to their models. What is that? How do you measure that? What is that temperature? How do you measure it? Well, the only way you can measure it per se, depending on where you're measuring it, is to um, compare records and see what the trends are. But as you know, there is cycles. Yeah. Well, and the problem with using the measurement data if it goes back much more than 20 or so years, it's, you know, readings on thermometers done by people, usually in places that have had significant changes in the land use around it. And using dangerous mercury to do that. Yes, yes. But the, you know, usually what they were at airports were most of the recording stations. And there's, you know, think about you know, anyone that's from the, Washington, D.C. area, even here in Eugene, the airport's moved. Right. But even, you know, at one time when the airport moved out there off of Green Hill, it was out in the farm. Well, how much more, you know, development, industrial development is reaching closer and closer to the airport? Now they've put in another runway and more terminals and more parking. How much more asphalt is close to that temperature reading, you know? And, and is there a heat island effect going on? But that, you know, that's just one of the problems. But the question also is, is 
is it the temperature on a certain day at a certain time of day? Is it an average of this temperature at a certain time of day? Is it the average temperature of the day averaged over all these stations? You know, what, how do you, what is the agreed upon temperature of the earth? Well, there's another factor too, is that um, with the CSC that we uh, um, reduce and the hole in the ozone is actually starting to close. Yeah. That would make a difference in the temperature. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's, I, there's billions of reasons why the temperature would change, not to mention there's a report that came out of NASA 20 years ago talking about, you know, the fact that um, our orbit around the sun is not concentric. You know, the sun is not dead center of our orbit. There's a little bit of eccentricity, and that eccentricity varies over time. And we are actually in a period of higher eccentricity meaning that at one point we're further away from the sun and one point we're closer to the sun than we've been in, in the past. So, you know, that might have something to do with this whole issue about the increasing um, uh, extremes in our weather. Well, also the earth is slowing down too. Yeah, there are all sorts of variables going on as far as, you know, why temp why why weather changes why climate changes but you know this this idea that we've been measuring the earth's temperature and have some way of saying it's going up it's pretty hard to even agree what the actual temperature of the earth is the actual best way to measure the earth's temperature is by satellite with satellite readings they have the ability to do take an infrared reading of the surface of the of the earth and also at different elevations in the atmosphere from a satellite in a polar orbit. So it's seen the entire Earth, you know, multiple times a day and can take thousands of readings as it goes through these orbits. In places there, we don't have thermometers. That's the other thing is our, our temperature records only where humans have, have been, you know, there haven't been humans in the middle of the Sahara or there hasn't been temperature stations in the Amazon, you know, except for in the last, you know, some, some of them only in the last 10 years. Yeah, but we only have 10 and a half more years to live, so why worry about it? Yeah, but have you ever seen a satellite data only temperature record for the last 20 years when they've had that capability? Um, I've never looked it up, to be honest. Yeah, you won't find them because the satellite data doesn't show warming. And the only reason I know that is I have friends that work for NASA and family. Oh, is it that time? That time. Yep, so, well, we're, we're getting on with the Bo's No Show here. We'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Hope you enjoyed the show. We kind of got all over the place today from homelessness to climate change to federal grants and public art. And don't forget to follow the purple deer there, uh, there in Florence and support Habitat for Humanity. We'll be back next week, 4 o'clock on Wednesday, here in beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week.